You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We uh, now take a look at some of the big stories in the world of business, and I'm joined on the line by Annelisa Tuswa, uh, who is a business journalist, uh, to take stock of uh, what's been happening in the marketplace on this Tuesday. Annelisa, good evening to you and welcome. Good news. Good evening, I. Uh, Annelisa, I want us maybe to just quickly start off here with uh, this COVID-19 app uh, before we get into what has happened at the Land Bank and uh, some of the happenings at EdCon. It seems now more than a million, or more than half a million, I should say, South Africans have now downloaded the COVID-19 tracing app, and we're certainly nowhere near the target of getting about 10 million people to use it. What is this app about, uh, and more importantly, what kind of, I guess, uh, technology is it using uh, um, in order to assist, I guess, with tracing efforts, uh, and uh, in order to, to be able at least to, to do so in real time, and to notify some of the people you've interacted with if uh, you might be testing positive for COVID? Look, I mean, I, I think the app um, has been well advertised, so that's why it's slowly picking up and a lot of people are advertising it. Um, you mm-hmm. A lot of people are actually downloading it, um, but of course, like I said, we're a bit far. But essentially what the app does is it. you don't put much information, because I registered today as a responsible citizen. I think everyone must download it. Um, I registered today and I realized that it doesn't need more, a lot of data from me. Um, so a lot of people have been concerned that it might people... It's managed by the state, and it seems like it's not even managed by the state. It was actually built by Discovery. So it's an outsourced mm. technology, similar to any app that you have on your phone. Um, it just try, The only way it's going to be efficient is if the next person next to you also has it. So the only way you'll be able to even monitor if the people in your area do have COVID or had COVID is if the people around you have downloaded it. So I think it's quite a good um, tracing before to put it that way, but it requires all of us, like I said, to be responsible citizens and download the app so that we're able to actually have its efficiency. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of users might have questions about the privacy concerns, and I guess you've touched on one side of it, which is where is all of this information going to sit? And some people are a bit uncomfortable uh, with it sitting in a government app. Uh, and um, I guess even if it was created by Discovery, I wouldn't be any... Uh, any more assured uh, of uh, what uh, people would do with the user data. Well, what commitments have been made uh, in terms of privacy and how some of the user information and data might be used or not used? Look, I mean, I, I think Discovery has come out quite strongly saying that it's not, it's, it's again, it's not really reliant on your data in terms of your name, your ID, doesn't require any banking details and all that kind of information. Um, essentially, what it needs is your location. So I think when it comes to your conscious, um, genuinely, even if you're not a technological person like me, because I'm quite um, very dorky, to put it that when it comes to technology, if it doesn't require your name and your, your ID numbers, then you're quite safe in that context. Because again, it doesn't, if you're registering, then it doesn't need that. Then it means your, that basic information that a lot of people usually worry about, which is your name, your mm. ID, is not accessible on, on the app. Yeah, it's certainly one uh, that uh, I guess, as you were saying, uh, ought to encourage South Africans to go out and download the app. And uh, I guess uh, only once we get the necessary critical mass and the uh, millions of numbers does it really make sense. Because I think currently, if you've got about 500,000 people out of a population of about 55 million, or maybe you say 25 million who have smartphones, uh, um, it might not necessarily make uh, much sense at the moment. But that being said, um, I'm quite interested in your views, Annalisa, on uh, the happenings at Land Bank. We heard that announcement that they got the first tranche 
of the equity injection that they were promised in the special adjustment budget in June. What are they going to do with this money? Look, I mean, uh, remember the Mawini had promised them about 3 billion rand um, of equity injection during the, the budget, right? Um, so it seems like that one half, the first half has been dispersed and 1 billion of it is actually going to creditors. Um, of course, I remember last month, um, Standard Church is one of the creditors actually that uh, were chasing them, if I were to put it that way, to try and make sure that they pay. So it seems like they'll finally get their share. But I mean, I, I looked at them how they're going to repay creditors. And it seems like they'll only get about 5% of the total amount that is owed by them. Quite, um, yeah, quite, quite scary. But I guess it's, it's a good move, uh, I'd say, if the land bank is making efforts to pay its creditors. Some of the SOEs aren't even paying creditors at this stage. Um, mm. So if land bank well, is really trying hard... Yeah, look, I mean, we'd, we'd heard at some point that Standard Chartered, uh, which um, gave access to the land bank to a 10-year facility, I think, about three years ago, uh, was considering taking them to court. Uh, I mean, this after, after the land bank defaulted on some of their uh, interest payments or, or the interest obligations here. Now that this money has come through, I mean, um, you know, is that matter going to remain in the courts? Or, or I guess uh, Ngababaza Buisunya or just on that score? Look, I mean, I think on the um, standard church's side, uh, I mean, they were not even willing to comment to the media um, a month ago mm. when that story came out. But I think on their side, uh, again, we're talking about the land bank here. It's been one of those institutions that has been quite efficient, if I were to put it like that. So I think if there's a plan to pay even that um, 500 billion, um, because they a million, they are saying that there is a five on that 1.5, about 500 million is going to go into an international. Um, institution, financing institution, and, uh, and uh, it's not quite clear on who that institution is, and Standard Charter is a financing, um, a global lender. So I think they might be paid. So I would, I, I think on a good side, I've been quite lenient when it comes to the lender because their role is quite crucial. So I think mm. uh, I would expect um, the Standard Charter to just hold on and see what, how they get how much they're getting out of that 1.5 that just got dismissed. Of course, this is not the first amount. The second 1.5 is coming out of September, so they should mm. be compensated, even if it's part of, even if it's just 5% of the repayment plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Annelies, have you ever been to that to that store, um, Leica Edgars in the CBD, there on Pritchard? Yeah, when I used to stay in Joburg, <laughs> when I used to stay in Joburg, yes, um, but I was just talk, like just thinking now, that, you know, one of the things that I, I, I always admired about other shops, other than Edgar's, right, is that they were mm. quite um, up to date with fashion trends. Edgar's, um, Tengsel so in Batlazo, 1991. Yeah, I signed it in 1976. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I've been there, um, when I used to stay in Joburg, it used one of those central places. But again, it was a huge store, but it had yeah, little to yeah. no clothes. So you'd end up going and buying around the the, the shops that were around. Um, and you know, Joburg CBD, there's quite a lot of fashion and affordable prices. Yeah. Affordable prices. Okay. Look, well, it seems now that uh, they're going to reopen that store. Now, that store was closed um, after Edcon came into some challenges. And uh, uh, they were also, it was part of, I guess, a turnaround strategy, able yeah, to... Uh, uh, turn what was a massive store, I guess, into a much smaller operation as part of their downsizing. It seems now that uh, after they've sold a few of their businesses, I think they sold uh, their jet business to the Fushini Group, they sold uh, uh, their Edcon or parts of their Edcon stores to the guys who run uh, Relatability, 
Um, and so it seems now that that store might reopen. But I guess what, what's the future of this particular brand? I think you've touched on the one issue, which is certainly some of their fashion isn't up to date. But one would think that on the beauty and the cosmetic side of things, they still have, a, uh, I guess, uh, a dominant market share and are still maybe the go-to people for, for many consumers. I think so. Um, um, and, and like you said, they're looking into, it seems like the, the relative retailability is actually looking into relaunching the CBDs because I see even in Durban, they're also considering, um, yes, there yes. are rumors in the market that they're considering reopening the CBDs. CBDs mm. are quite competitive, I think, but rental spaces are very expensive. So I think if they want a successful active, they might want to just shrink them a bit, which is quite a similar strategy that Edcon was taking before they decided to go into um, into selling the business. I think shrinking mm. the actual um, shopping um, shopping space, so instead of having that two-floor that they used to have, which had little to no clothes, have a smaller shop so that your rental amount is quite small, but also make sure, again, back to the fashion stuff, that it's compatible. Because if you're going to put a business in the CBD, that's where consumers generally shop. So if, it's either you're good or bad in the CBD. And if you're good, then you attract more people. But again, I think the, the rental space would be one thing that they need to watch quite carefully um, in moving into the, um, the, the, the CBD spaces. But I think um, retailability really genuinely, there are stores, um, the ones that I know uh, are quite good when it comes to spaces, always quite small, um, fashion brands, less stuff on the ground, genuinely quite accessible, but also easy to move around. Um, mm. So yeah, I think if, if they can carry it like a legit, because when they took over legit, they did quite well. If they can carry jet like a, um, Edgar's mm. like a legit, they should be quite fine in terms of. Did, um, didn't they buy? Le- oh, sorry about that. Yeah, didn't they buy legit from from Edcon? Yes, that's what I'm saying. So after they took mm. over um, uh, 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 legit, uh, uh, I think it was in 20, 2016 or 2017. I'm not sure, mm. but uh, they, they've done quite well in terms of maintaining that brand because we still know legit as legit, but it's sure, quite sure. Um, it's up to date with fashion trends. And I'm thinking like a young person here, not necessarily like a business analyst. Quite um, quite fashion wise, price is affordable, accessible, and the easiest places in the country where you can find them. But also in terms of space, it's very small. You can see where the seating room is. But I think with Edgar's now, there's a bigger one. Like you said, they've also got the cosmetic side, which I think has been doing quite well. Um, But I think they might want to try and have their own in-house brands because Mm. I'm realizing that even when I go to Kicks now as a woman, I can find my own, I can find their um, their internal brands. Yeah, yeah. It's it's certainly one we're going to have to watch quite closely here because, I mean, uh, I guess probably the one story of uh, massive consolidation happening in the retail sector uh, and many people, many analysts are, uh, are certainly predicting that this is the start of much more consolidation that is said to happen as uh, uh, retail brands continue to reel not only just from COVID-19, but uh, I guess from some of the other legacy challenges that predate COVID-19, least of all in the case of Edcon. But uh, Annalisa... I mean, this is the one story I'm trying to make sense of, get my head around. Kwasi Zabandu, stories of a cult, stories of psychological abuse, stories of sexual abuse, money laundering. Yo, what's happening here? Yeah. Look, I mean, when I saw the story, I was just just thrown away um, because also some of the things that are highlighted in the news story were quite bizarre. But I think um, on the business side of it, it seems like what is abandoned is not just a cult, but they also found in certain business spaces, which is, I think, where you and I come in. Um, they seem to actually 
the the mission itself, the church itself, which is Basilabandu, owns the bo- the bottle of water that most of us actually grew up think liking, which is the Aqua water bottle. Um, mm. And I mean, that water brand is quite huge in South Africa. Um, yes, and not only oh, do they yo, yo. own the water, they also own the farm, which produces for most of the retailers who actually have um, who sell fruit and veggies. So your mm. your your pick and pay. Your Woolworths, um, your checkers, they all get their veggies and their fruits at this farm, which is Mshane M- Farm, which is owned by the cult. So it's not just the cult, Aya, it's also an entire business. Um, but again, it's, 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 this story itself for me is bizarre, but I'm, I'm, I'm quite shocked on how the South African businesses have responded. Um, I see Woolworths has come yeah, out. Look, I think Woolworths on, on their side is a reputational management, brand alignment. I would not want my brand to be aligned to that. Whether you found guilty or not, I do not want guess, that close yeah. to my name. But I, I, I'm quite shocked when it comes to PK and Pay and the Marcos who are saying that they'll only make a decisive decision when there is a formal investigation or mm. when there is a verdict around it. Because, I mean, I see the Human Rights has stepped in. The Human Rights Commission has also stepped in to, make, to, to investigate. So... Uh, I, I just think it's going to be a brand crisis for a lot of. We're going to. We might find another kick situation in, in, in a week or so with these two, um, or all the, the the retailers that still accept, or you still find this um, the Akul water bottle on the shelves, or mm. if we just. Yeah, I'm just waiting for our friends at, at the uh, of the EFS once they find the full story and who where they'll be occupying because I, I... Yeah, look, I mean, yeah. it seems that there's still a lot of moving parts because story. But that being said, I mean, we're going to be catching up uh, uh, in our Under the Microscope segment this evening with uh, Noctula Magnati uh, from News24. They've been, run, they've been sort of digging up the story for the last, I think, seven months or so. Uh, and we'll have a chance to look at some of the things that are being spoken about here. But I'm just looking at, you know, this... Um, their fresh produce business, their Msenia, I think Msenia Farming is the name of it. It's mm. based out uh, at one of their places there. Yo, 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 sweet peppers. Uh, you know, uh, what's the other things that they put together? All manner of uh, sweet peppers. Uh, you know, they've got uh, other crops that they have, 100,000 meters squared, um, you know, tunnels that they're running this through, closed roof pad, fans. I mean, this is probably a high-end you know, agricultural businesses here that were feeding the likes of Food Lovers Market, Woolworths, ShopRite, Pick and Pay, Macro. Um, and it seems now that uh, just on the back of some of these revelations that they might find themselves losing much of those contracts. Look, I mean, it, it, it will get to that. And I, and I think when it comes, South African businesses don't react because it's a human rights issue. I think mm. they react because their businesses will also be affected to it. It would be nice if people are responding because it's a human rights issue. I mean, sexual crimes are fraud. Those are serious crimes, Aya. Uh, not just sure. for a church, but if you are in the business community, again, back to do you want your brand, do you want that kind, those kind of allegations hovering to, from one of your suppliers? So mm. I, I, I guess on a humanitarian level, I think it, it's quite, um, cults are quite a serious um, concern. Because this is not the first cult we know of in South Africa, or we've heard of. Of course, there's all these kind of stories usually don't make it into headlines. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy that News 24, I really have to say kudos to them, that followed through with the story. Because this is not the first time we're hearing about the cult, but the stories never really went far. And they never mm. really pinned down into what they own, who they are. 
um, and who they supply to, because for every business to, to prosper, Aya, it needs it needs to be distributed. The product needs to be distributed somewhere. And yeah. if South African businesses are supporting a cult, if South African businesses are, are supporting a business that has that the, where there are claims or reports of fraud, then South African yeah. businesses need to be held accountable because they are accomplices in whatever that the cult is doing. Um, whether yeah. they knew about it or they didn't, they still need to account. Exactly. Um, exactly. It, it's it's quite bizarre. Hey, and Elisa, this I mean, it has the makings of a movie script. Uh, anything, Google affidavit says he six of rape, sexual abuse, molestation, assault. Uh, uh, you know, spanning back as far as the 1980s, there's issues of psychological, uh, you know, oh, abuse yeah. as well. There's <laughs> Lendutatangaya monetary money laundering, and then you add to that uh, the fact that some of the people who are involved with this mission, uh, I think one guy came out and he said he used to spy. Uh, on behalf of the old apartheid government and the security branch. It, the stuff, as I said, that has the makings of a film or a movie script. But uh, we'll have to leave it here. We'll pick up that conversation once again just after half past eight under the microscope uh, where we're going to be talking to one of the journalists at News24 to try and make sense of that story. But Annalisa, Masis Shiapo, and uh, until we catch up again next week, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Annalisa Tuswa is a business journalist and helping us take a look and take stock of some of the big stories in the world of business on this Tuesday. We're going to take a brief break now and on the other side we continue into our SMME exchange where we're going to be catching up with Dr. Tami Mazwai and we're talking all things small business during this difficult moment as we grapple with the spillover impacts of COVID-19. Stay tuned.